Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and keep growing. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma, and this is a really fun episode today. I have been working with Coyote for a while and have really been able to witness this like incredible evolution of what he's built and what he's building and have learned so much about alchemy and sorcery and witchcraft and magic. And this is going to be a very cool episode. So before we dive in, I would love to introduce you to Coyote Manor. He is an initiate and student in the ancient lineages of Palo Mayombe. Shivaic Tantra. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Western magic, yaki shamanism, laboratory alchemy, and multiple traditions of herbalism. He works in financial technology, blending decade plus experience of entrepreneurship, corporate politics, and esoteric training into a unique persona that he works to bring humanity into its next stage of evolution that truly benefits all. He loves working with clients whose business or purpose aligns with that intent and assists in the amplification of their work. This has been such a cool journey to witness, and I feel like this is such a long time coming. Welcome yeah. to the pod. <laughs> Thank you. I have been looking forward to this uh, multi weeks since since I got the invite, uh, and I'm very very excited to be here. I'm very grateful to be here, and um, stoked to be speaking with you and your audience. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I knew for a long time I wanted to interview you. You had sent Clay and I some tinctures from your lab, and I'm just such a fan of your work and your story and your journey. And I would love before I sort of dive into my questions and experience to ask you to share um, some of your backstory, what's gotten you here and what you're doing now, any type of context that feels important to lay the groundwork. Totally. So uh, my story starts in childhood, actually. So I I grew up in a very conservative Christian family uh, in the Midwest. And I had a very spiritual connection with God as a child. And, um, you know, my first job, I told my parents at six or seven years old, was that I wanted to be a pastor. And I was going on mission trips and, you know, really like on fire for Jesus type of uh, persona. And when I started getting into my teenage years, I started asking a lot of questions uh, regarding different spiritual experiences that I'd had 
that no one in like the formal church could really either answer or give me anything satisfactory. And so I started exploring other traditions and other, you know, lifestyles uh, as a teenager. And on my 19th birthday, I took mushrooms and went uh, and sat on a hill and just experienced the other world that I always knew existed. And I had a conversation that day with something else. And from that day forward, everything started to open up. But at the same time, it created a shift in my ability to relate to the mundane world in the way that I had grown up in. And so there was a split that began to happen of knowing that I really wanted to, having a very strong magnetic pull to the world of business, but having this undying yearning for something that had to do with the divine and the sacred that I could not put words to. And so at 19, there was that rift that began to occur. And as I said, yeah, 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 exactly. I feel Uh, that what you're speaking to is something that I'm just experiencing, you know, for the first time in the last few years is that pull between business and the divine. And so it's quite young at 18, 19 years old to be having, you know, such big experiences you've been you know, I think that's one thing that I always forget is that this has been a long time. Yeah. Well, uh, just you wait because it gets better, Krista. I know. I promise you, uh, living proof, if I can do this, anyone can do this. <laughs> so uh, at nineteen twenty, I started practicing yoga and I had a girlfriend at the time whose mother was a Tibetan Buddhist teacher. And so she taught me kind of some formal Buddhist meditation practices. She was the first person that could speak to me from an Eastern esoteric perspective. Uh, Tibetan Buddhism is very mystical in and of itself. And so she would share with me stories about her teachers and all these different mystical states of awareness that she started to experience. And that was the first individual that kind of oriented me towards mysticism as a whole, because growing up, anything magical, esoteric, occult, I was like, that's the devil, right? Mm. And so this was the first time that I felt comfortable and safe to explore that and to study that. And uh, I was, uh, after a couple of years of just self-study, I started to feel the need for finding a true teacher. And I didn't really know what that meant. And at 23 years old, I was leading a sales team of 30 sales reps doing B2B sales. I was running the office. I had a really good kind of early 20s career trajectory happening for me. And I remember going in there, closing a deal and going and sitting in my car and breaking down crying because there was this inner void that felt totally empty and unsatisfied, even though I had been performing in the physical world Uh, in a way that other people would have said, good job. Mm -hmm. And so that very next day, I went in to a a meeting that I was actually leading, and I put in my resignation, and I quit that day. And uh, that entire summer, I worked in the music festival production world, and I just traveled, and I connected with the arts and met people from different walks of life, and just experienced something that... Um, you know, I was kind of never really thought I could have the time or life to do and just creative expression. 
And later on that year in 2016, I met my benefactor, uh, Coyote the Blind. And that is when everything started to shift. And those two schasms started to become one unified lifetime. And there wasn't this, mm-hmm. this separation between the spiritual and the, and the mundane or the material. It became one. And the more I began to focus on my esoteric or my spiritual practice and aligning myself to that higher will and higher purpose, then everything in my material and physical world began to stabilize, manifest quicker, and become smooth and seamless as these two worlds began to merge. Amazing. And now we have Medicine Buddha Labs. Yeah. We have (laughs) Agency 148. And tell me a little bit about what you're doing with these businesses. So in that same year, I met my laboratory alchemy teacher and he introduced me into traditional Western alchemy. And this is the same tradition that is often misconstrued as, you know, the only aim is to turn lead into gold and and all of these, you know, kind of alchemical, you know, historical farces or things like that, that give it a bad name. And what I can tell you is that all of those things that people say are false or lies about alchemy, I was exposed to each and every single one of those as being true. And there is great scientific and physics secrets that are that are contained in the spiritual tradition of laboratory alchemy that mm-hmm. most people to this day have yet to be discovered. And there are small groups of people all around the world that are doing this. And so I began to study traditional alchemy, and that was my doorway into the mystical world before I met Coyote. And every single ancient esoteric tradition, there is alchemy at the root of their spiritual practices. And I started to see that laboratory alchemy and spiritual alchemy were were polarized uh, mirrors of each other. And as the initiate would begin to engage in the laboratory practice, that would have an influence on their spiritual practice and vice versa. And it became a feedback loop between the operator and the experiment. And so I started to take that mindset into the world of life, that if there is this spiritual transformation and experience happening inside of me, then inherently something externally has to manifest to reflect that back to me. And then you get to begin to engage with life like an experiment. What happens if I tweak this, if I alter that, vice versa? Like human alchemy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so as I began to study esoteric traditions, they have these things at the core of it. And they always call it different things. Buddhists call it developing the rainbow body. Uh, Western magic calls it developing the body of light or building a soul. And that is the spiritual esoteric practice of creating the philosopher's stone and laboratory alchemy of fusing uh, two materials, which are polar opposites in nature into becoming one thing. And that is what happens in the, the esoteric path of spirituality is that the human is fusing the divine with the human or the material into becoming uh, a true human being that is capable of operating in both worlds and holding a divine uh, consciousness and divine inspiration, divine genius, and being a, a vessel and a channel for creating a real change and shift 
in the world so that heaven on earth can truly unfold. And I love this. And (laughs) I just want to unpack that last piece because I think this is really profound what you're saying. And you're a living proof of this because now that you have these two companies, you have Medicine Buddha Labs and Agency One Fruit, which we're going to talk more about, that heavily operate in the magical mysticism, alchemy world. However, when we just jumped on the first time when we catch up, I'm like, well, how's it going in the business world? And we talk about that. So you're back in the business world. So in your story, you didn't mention yet going back into sort of the business sector. And what's so fascinating to me about you is you might listen to this and be like, okay, so now he's, you know, off on this path studying shamanism with all these teachers living in the desert. But yes, and still incredibly successful in the full business, like capitalist economy, like you're a player in the market. And that to me is really fascinating. This idea of when you find this alignment, this alchemic alignment within yourself between spirituality and the human, the you're better, both is better, you know? And so it elevates both and you're living proof of that. So in your day-to-day world, it's not, oh, I'm over here with this hat on doing this. And now I'm over here speaking to my shaman about this. It's all. It's all one thing. So several years ago, well, as I was really studying with my teacher in in my twenties, um, I had different entrepreneurial pursuits. Um, and I never was really able to scale it past that six-figure mark. And so uh, in 2019, 2020, uh, I started kind of going back into the technology world and um, working in operations and project management, mostly on the software side. And so I work now in the financial technology uh, industry. I work for a company that produces uh, software for the wealth management and banking industry. And so we do everything um, from trade operations to reconciliation, to reporting, to accounting, to client portal, advisor portal experiences. Um, 85% of SMA accounts in the U.S. are traded through our platform. And so we have over $6 trillion in assets that are being managed through, through this software platform. And so I know to some, this may seem like the complete opposite of you know, the esoteric and spiritual world. But Mm -hmm. what I can tell you is that it has given me a complete and perfect field of practice to understand and actually visibly experience seeing God in everybody else and to have compassion and empathy. And on top of that, really share this internal vibration that is infinite and eternal with anyone and everyone I come into contact with through just experiencing my, with you just practicing and living my day-to-day life in that, in that, mm-hmm. in that world. Wow. And it's given me a, a, a modality and a direct experience to really learn how to empathize with others and to have compassion towards others that are still living in their own world of suffering. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think for me, it's just such a powerful reminder in the paradox. And I just appreciate how you're such a bridge in both worlds, because when you hear about what you're up to and the vision quest and the shamanism and the mysticism and the magic and the sorcery, 
how does one then begin to operate in the physical material world with all of this knowledge and really find the balance between the two. And so I would love for you to share more about sorcery, about magic. Like what are we talking about when we're using these words? What does your practice look like right now? And how has that inspired the agency and then what that's becoming? Because I feel like the agency really is the blend of it all. It is. Um, first, I want to say, you know, I, I am a work in progress. You know, samadhis and chakras aside, I'm just a human being like everybody else. And the only reason why I am able to be in that corporate world is because I have a purpose there. There is a reason, there is a higher level game that is being played. And I just hope and pray that at the opportune moment that I am not even aware of what it is that I am able to actually influence that change that benefits the rest of humanity. And that's the only reason I'm there. I really feel that. I really believe you. And also it feels so good to hear that because I feel that way too. Even in the mundane, even in my marketing agency, and you know this, I mean, we've worked together. There's so much more going on there. I'm working with business energetics. I'm working with different energy and different Reiki practices. And I'm pulling cards and doing divination and time and angel numbers and all of this stuff is going into it. But then from the outside, I'm running a digital marketing agency. And so it's just the both (laughs) and that's so powerful and beautiful because I really do every day feel like I'm living my dharma, even when I'm creating a strategy for like a brick and mortar space somewhere in the Midwest, I'm connecting with these people. It's there's something happening there. And so it's like we're working our magic in the real world. And I think that's really powerful because, you know, I, for a lot of spiritual practitioners, it's about going into the caves and going away from society. And I just think right now, more than ever, we need this practice and we need this, this work that you're doing. So tell me more about how you're learning about this stuff. I know you're working with some of these insanely like rare teachers and, and yeah, just tell me more, tell me more about your practice now. So, uh, I met my teacher in a series of dreams, uh, probably about a year or two before I actually met him in, in, in the physical world. And so, uh, this is a, this is someone that I have a connection with outside of time and space outside of a individual lifetime. And my practice is really that of, of the esoteric arts. And in the shamanic tradition that I come from, uh, I was shown in, uh, in a vision the origin of all spiritual evolution on Earth. And how they're initially with the first people there was a pact made between the first humans and the spirits of the land that were here before, you know, human life was even at a point of sentience. And there was what they called the four magics and the four magics as humans began to spread throughout the world. Each of these magics began to take on cultural societal identities as their own. 
And this is why you see very similarities between the um, ancient yogas and various Buddhist or Taoist traditions. They have a focus on purity, on mindfulness, on meditation, on connecting with that higher source. That is what we would call white magic. That is the essence of Tantra, of yoga, and of Buddhism. Versus you have the uh, indigenous traditions of Central and South America and North America. Um, this is all about community. This is all about working with the spirits of the land, with the ancestors. This is what they call the path of, of red magic. And it's red magic because it has to do with the fact that we all bleed the same color, which is red. And so that is the essence of the red path of the red road is, is seeing humanity as one and working within a community as one organism. And then you have green magic, which is found throughout all indigenous traditions, which is that of the nature spirits. So it's the magic of plants, the magic of the elementals. And then you have black magic, which is the magic of balance of justice and in some cases punishment. And so all of these were really one tradition at the origin of, of human civilization. And then as humans began to migrate, each culture, society, identity, or, and, and you know, uh, societal identity began to form around these and different spiritual traditions began to grow and expand. And so really my practice is that of one of understanding the essence and the origin of all spiritual traditions, because if you can get to the root of these traditions, then you understand the minute differentiations throughout human history and how they began to evolve. And so today that takes on the form of indigenous forms of shamanism. So you mentioned the vision quest. This is uh, an initiatic practice that one goes through in these traditions where it's a four-year commitment. You do four days of fasting on a mountain the first day, seven days, nine days, 13 days. And then if you're lucky enough, you get to do 40. And so um, this is one of these practices, but I'm also being trained uh, in the in the sweat lodges and the temescals and the medicine songs. Um, and that is, you know, part of my practice on the Red Road and of the shamanic tradition. But Paulo Mayombe is one of the original and probably one of the oldest documented religions or traditions on earth. It comes from the Congo region in Africa. And so you're working with the ancestors um, of the dead. You're working with the spirits of nature and you're working with a cosmic uh, being, like cosmic beings that are brought into this. So you have a complete microcosm universe in that tradition. And you, the practitioner, is kind of like the orchestrator mm -hmm. of it all. And so you have the micro and the macrocosm integrating directly. And then you have the Western ceremonial magic, which is all about learning the formulas of the unseen world and seeing how things move together. You could, you could say that alchemy and astrology are part of the Western uh, tradition because they have a lot to do with mental development and also understanding the formulaic approach to how these astral and occult forces begin to balance out and influence each other. So for me, my practice day to day is very actually quite simple. It's, it's simple pranayama right now. It's meditation. I have a ritual practice, like a, a magical practice, and then I'm working a lot right now with in Palo Mayombe. Um, I am considered an initiated priest, a padre and kisi of that tradition. And so 
right now, merging all of these traditions together into a material public facing front, which is Agency 148. And Agency 148 is an esoteric agency designed to give executives, entrepreneurs, and creatives an otherworldly edge. And we do that through finding the individuals like us who want to make the world a better place, who are living and aligned in their dharma, and who have an aspiration to uh, bring something that is true, unique, creative of themselves into the world so that they can help move humanity forward in a beneficial way. And we wield the magic and the, and the spirits and the powers of these traditions in ways to help them uh, purify themselves, heal in ways that they that are needed to heal for themselves, but more importantly, amplify their ability to make an impact in the world. Mm. And this also may sound like mumbo jumbo using magic for business. What a obscure and abstract concept, right? I mean, depends who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell I'll tell I'll give you a firsthand experience because while I've been doing this for eight years, I'm always skeptical as to how quickly and how much magic can imprint in the physical world. Mm -hmm. And I've seen miracles happen right in front of my eyes and things that people say can't exist. I've seen stars move, mountains dissolve, trees walk, the wildest shit. And my teacher made for me a item of power uh, that comes from the Apollo tradition. And he said, this is what you need for your work. This is to, this is going to help bring you more cash flow, so you can uh, progress in these areas that you need to progress. Like his teacher gave me a task of uh, buying a ranch so that I, I could grow like healing plants on and do ceremonies. And I'm like, dude, you're looking at like a two, $3 million investment in here. And he's just like, no, nah, you'll figure it out. I'm like, all right, man, whatever. <laughs> so, so you know, my teacher made this thing for me. He said, it's going to help bring the money that needs you to support your work in the world. Three weeks later, I walk into work and they said, hey, we're giving you a $40,000 raise. That was like a drop in the bucket of like, okay, there's like real fast power behind these traditions. Mm -hmm. And it's not just one's ability to believe or to align an intent, but really it just has to do with um, knowing what you're doing in these yeah. worlds. Magic is almost like computer programming with a cosmic chaotic twist attached to it. <laughs> I mean, that's such a great <laughs> way of putting it. I think my question is, and what's really yeah. coming through that I want to speak to here as we, you know, this, is, I think we could just talk so long about this. And, and the reason why I wanted to have you on and share this is really because you are walking the talk in both worlds and it's not woo-woo. Like this isn't woo-woo. No. This is like very ancient. Like I love the languaging that you're using around this because the way that you speak to magic and sorcery and witchcraft is just in a very grounded factual, real way. And so my question is around bringing these traditions now to modern times, because there's a lot of people in the West, I feel misusing these traditions. We are two white people sitting here having a conversation about this. So with your teachers, I know you're one of the very few white people even working with some of these teachers. And what is that responsibility like? Do they even care? Because is that ego? It, what 
like, where are you in that? Because I know when I went to Nepal, I really had my ego rocked when I sat with some of the spiritual teachers there and they were just so happy that yoga has been brought to the West and that yoga is on the tongue of most people. And, um, you know, I, I asked about money and I've shared on the podcast that, you know, the response was almost like, what do you mean? Shiva worships money. Like it's (laughs) like, why are we making this so heavy? But then at the same time, there is this cultural appropriation. There is this misuse of, you know, very deeply powerful indigenous medicines and magic. So how do you find your role and responsibility in, in that aspect with the work? It's a really good topic. And this is a topic that is actually something that I'm contemplating and really engaging with full on because of the privilege, because of the life that I've grown up with. There's a lot of things that seem normal to me that are deeply rooted in pain generationally for other people. And the number one thing for me that has really just been fully kind of coming to a fruition the past couple of years is having respect, reverence, and honoring the sacred and not approaching it with a mindset of entitlement and colonization. And I don't mean colonization in this, you know, uh, take the resources and build a business. That's like one very aspect of it, but it's this, it's this mindset of entitlement that I see a lot of Westerners of any race really, because it's really a Western mindset and a Western disease of this entitlement attitude towards something of, I want that. I deserve it. I have to have it. And that to me has no place in the sacred spaces. You will be chewed up. You will be kicked out and you will be destroyed you'll be turned to dust and i've seen the people that approach these ceremonies that approach this these live wires of power that have that they get fried something breaks their mind can't actually contain the the experience of what is happening they begin to make stories up in their head they become distorted and that is the protection mechanism that is built into the sacred and the magical traditions of the world is that if you do not come there with a pure heart and a pure intent, you will be at best turned away. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it has been surrounding myself with the communities and putting my ego aside and getting to work. And mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. When I met my teacher, he would have Tuesday night classes, still does. Everybody can go look him up uh, online. I'd really recommend it on YouTube, Coyote the Blind, Tuesday night, 730 live classes every week. I would go to the community house and I would show up an hour early and I would ask, how can I help? What can I do? What can I learn? And they're like, clean the dishes. (laughs) They're like, the bathroom needs to be cleaned. Uh, The floors need to be mopped. You know, like just simple things like prove you really want to learn this. Like, don't just let your mind create the story of, oh, I want magic and mysticism in my life you know, I really want it, like prove it, like get your hands dirty, you know, Mm -hmm. go chop wood. So that has been a big thing is doing the physical labor, the physical work, making yourself available is the biggest thing, making yourself available to genuinely be of service in any way that can be unique to you. You know, for me, 
my way of service is the life that I live. It is working in the corporate world that supports, you know, my lifestyle for myself, my partner, our spiritual practice and anticipations. It's supporting my teacher, uh, you know, in, in financial ways as a result of having this level of income and, and, and abundance or prosperity, really. And so... It, it all comes down to respect. It comes down to honoring something that you don't understand, but at the same time, honoring that, that magnetic pull inside of you towards something higher and greater than your own understanding. And you will be humbled. You will be brought to your knees in tears. I, I will never forget the workshop, the intensive that I went to where I broke down crying for a half an hour straight on the floor in the dirt, like just amazed that the love and power that was being cast down on me by something that I could never even hope to understand. And it was just me completely by myself out there, no audience. You know, I was out there to do a simple meditative exercise. And the next thing I know, I'm crying on the ground, having decades of trauma being healed you know, being, being resolved internally that I had been pushing down and, hi and hiding from. Mm. And that is what I say to anyone who wants to approach magic and the esoteric is the real training can't be bought with a certificate. <laughs> you, you, you have to go there with respect and, and making yourself available to be of service. Mm. I totally agree. And I think that's so beautiful because for the work that I'm doing, obviously, if my practices, my rituals, my ceremonies are very different than yours. And yet it's all rooted in that oneness, in that collective healing and, you know, tapping into that universal energy. And so I also think that a lot of people, when I think about or when I used to speak about magic and sorcery and witchcraft, it feels dark, it feels heavy, it feels scary, like dark magic. And for me anyway, just the truth of only if this is in the highest and greatest good and serving the light, otherwise goodbye. And you can protect yourself. And I feel like the magical world honors that honesty and truth. And for me, the deep seeking has always been enough. And that is when I was sitting at the feet of this amazing teacher. He was visiting the yoga center I was uh, staying at and we all got initiated and just sat and listened to his Dharma talk. And at the time I was feeling very lost. Like you said, your search for a teacher, I think that's a big piece of the spiritual path in for so many of us. And I was just so eager for my teacher to appear. And it was so in my ego still. And, and he just looked at me dead in the eyes and was just like deep seeking is enough. And once I surrendered to that, like constant seeking of trust and, and love, the teachers just, you know, appear in abundance. And so it's really beautiful that you share, you know, my question, my last question was going to be for somebody interested in this work that you're doing. And they're listening to you speak of these different types of magics and the history and the the, the mysticism that's all around in pockets all over. I think it's an amazing time to be alive and interested in some of this work. And for me, my question is what's the safe next step? You know, what's your call to action for people that are wanting to dive deeper into this work right now? 
for me, it's, it's, it's finding, uh, finding an authentic teacher who has a lineage behind them. Something that is hundreds of years old is really key because there is, there's proof in the pudding there. If someone really wants to engage with the esoteric, they will need to learn to let go of fear. And that was something that really took me about a year and a half of training to get through to really understand that is confronting something that, you know, death is around the corner and how you conduct and carry yourself in moments to moment can be your last. And that is about walking with integrity and walking with, with intent and with purpose mm. and, and not really being magnetized to the way that the spiritual marketplace tends to portray these, these ancient traditions. And this is a very interesting topic because we're both um, spiritual practitioners who work in the West and who operate through financial exchanges mm -hmm. and Householders, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so there needs to be a, a degree of like understanding almost a little bit. You know, these different things like sorcery and witchcraft and magic, these are all paths of power that really resonate with specific um, either historical traditions or innately male or female paths of power. You know, like witchcraft is is rooted in the woman's intuition, which is actually where we get our name Agency 148. The the magical number of 148 represents Nitsak, which is a sphere on the tree of life, which is um, corresponds to Venus. And the magical image for that sphere is a naked woman. And a naked woman is both the goddess and the daughter the divine representation and the living physical presence of that. And so our business is a, you know, expression of our devotion to the goddess of which all magic and all force of nature and power flows from because everything around us is animated by her. And so if someone really wants to engage with that, find someone that you trust and that, that, that you have some sort of, magneticism to and and just just test the waters because i went through maybe half a dozen practitioners facilitators that i thought had the magic sauce and then you meet the real deal and you're like <laughs> and you know yeah. and, and the last point to that is you have to be willing to explore you have to be willing to be wrong and you have to be willing to 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 be humble in, in the mm -hmm. face of, of those things and mm -hmm. I, I wish there was a, a clear action step I had, because for me, I stumbled my way into this through a, you know, magic or a series of synchronistic events. And I um, think so that's how everyone would describe how they, right, stumble into. Yeah. And so for me, I think that's actually really great advice, because as soon as you said, Think about those people in your life that are magical, mystical, that you feel the magnetism towards. And as soon as you said that, two people 
immediately came front and center, my Reiki master and total witch, clairvoyant sister, and then my witch, um, who I've had on the podcast, Kiki Robinson, and um, is in witchy business. And they're just, you know, so tapped in. And that would be my next step. And it is my next step. That's who I speak. That's like who I go to. And I think that magnetism, when you're around those people, your magical abilities strengthen and you are reminded of your power um, when you're in the presence of those kinds of people. And so just even listening to this and thinking, wow, I can't believe there's this whole world out there, or I totally know already everything that was said here and I have an inner knowing and I want to connect deeper to this. You already know the next step. And I think that's the power of magic is when you are ready, the teacher appears. And it's so true. And I'm like looking around my desk and my office at all my little statues and all my pictures of my teachers and my path. And it's just when, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So I think when you're willing to be a student, (laughs) um, is when the magic happens. And, and that means letting go a lot of, a lot of the fear and, and recognizing the impermanence. And you're the second person in the podcast interview that has talked to that impermanence, um, being such a path to God. So thank you so much. I mean, I feel like we could have a part two and a part three, and I'm really excited to continue to follow your journey as it evolves and see how we I can support more of these conversations and more of just space to talk about this and, and honor what you're doing. If I could say one more thing to leave it at this is that all of your experiences, all the magneticism, uh, all of those desires are reflections of the one true desire to know God, to be in yoga with the divine. And to judge these experiences as you know, lower or higher desires is to create further separation. And that magnetic pull is really a alignment process between bringing you into alignment with your purpose, into your own relationship with the divine. And that can't be judged. That has to be fully walked completely. So find those people, just like you said, stick to them and realize that uh, your own intent to grow and evolve will bring you closer to those next steps because not every path is going to be this, the right path for anybody else. You know, you have to find that unique one. And that's, that's the most godly thing you can do as a human is to find that purpose and fully embody it and recognize what you're supposed to do, which is what Krishna told Arjuna. He says, go do your Dharma, which is to launch the war, right? What a fucking crazy Dharma to like, to like launch war. And so you have to find it, you know, for me, it's, it's corporate business, for you, it's it's being a role model to women in, in the world of business and showing them that you can have magic, motherhood, and, and, and a career all in the same lifetime. You know, for somebody else, it will look totally different. But that, to me, that's, that's authenticity right there. That's God. It sure is. Mic drop. Say no more. 
<laughs> I'm going to put all your links um, in the show notes. There's so many great ways to find you, connect with you. I love what you're doing at um, Buddha Labs. I love your tinctures. I love everything that you create. You have amazing educational information on spagyrics. I mean, you name it. You're just, I feel like your path to God is so in the ancient, like wisdom, the text, the dense knowledge that you're bringing to modern times in such an amazing way. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for just sparking meaningful conversation. I think that is at the very least was my goal for this podcast today was he's so interesting and this could go in so many directions and yet so in the world of the West. And so an amazing bridge to spark conversation and a deeper seeking for people. So thank you. I appreciate it. You know, um, inspiration is, is, is all I can hope to just spark in somebody else. You know, I, I know what it's like and that's why I do what I do is to show people that you can have both. You can have it all, baby. That <laughs> is true. Thank you for being here and for everyone listening as always. Um, it's such a journey. This podcast gets realer and realer by the week. So I appreciate you. I hope you have a beautiful day and until next time, keep growing.